Let me tell you about my Jesus. Listen, that was a great song, and it introduces the message that I'm going to share today from Luke chapter 14. Uh, but while our worship arts team, worship arts family is, is walking out, just remind you that Easter is coming. And we need you to be part of what we're going to be doing Easter weekend uh, through worship arts. Uh, they meet every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. And you can be a part of Easter celebration by joining them and help us lead in worship that day. So 6 o'clock Wednesday night, join our worship arts team. Uh, and even if you can only do it for this season, do it for this season. Because uh, we want uh, Easter weekend to be a, a time of great celebration. So you be a part of that. Uh, secondly, I want to remind you uh, about uh, Tuesday night at 6.30. We have been praying for Ukraine. Uh, on Tuesday nights, we continue to pray for Ukraine on Tuesday nights at 6.30. Along with those prayers, now prayer is not a, a, a side gig that we do. Prayer is the primary thing. And the most powerful thing that we can do is pray. And so I want to encourage you to continue to join me in praying uh, for Ukraine, for God to shine his glory uh, through this great conflict and for a uh, uh, God to do miraculous things uh, for his people and among his people uh, during this conflict, this war. But as well as praying, um, our church is committed to send $10,000, have already sent it, uh, to our partners in Ukraine. We have uh, a, a partnership with uh, Pastor Vasily uh, that has uh, existed for over two decades. Uh, and Pastor Vasily has planted churches, and we've partnered with him. Uh, we have done uh, mission trips. Many of you uh, had your lives changed by mission journeys that we have been on uh, to Ukraine. Uh, we are, uh, our heart, the heart of our church beats for the people in Ukraine and for uh, Pastor Vasily. Uh, as we have talked with Pastor Vasily over these past few days, we recognize that the ministry that he is doing, he's uh, the, the group that you see gathered there uh, in their church, uh, is a group where they're housing refugees and helping those who are in need uh, because of the invasion that has taken place. Uh, on top of that, Pastor Vasily uh, is uh, ministering to the militias that uh, are in and around his region. Uh, bringing them uh, uh, socks and blankets and mats and food. Uh, Pastor Vasily is providing transportation. His church is providing transportation to get the elderly or the infirm to safer places. Uh, it's feeding those uh, like you see here and uh, 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 who are out of their homes and in a refuge kind of situation. Uh, and we believe that it is our responsibility as First Norfolk family to join our Ukrainian family and help support them. Uh, so we have sent $10,000 uh, to go to the front line, goes directly to aiding uh, those who are in the deepest need. So I want to encourage you, if, if God lays upon your heart, to give uh, financially uh, to Ukraine. Encourage you. You want to write a check, you can write a check, put Ukraine on it, and put it in the offering box as you leave. You uh, go online just somewhere in the memo section, uh, put Ukraine, or in the notes section, put Ukraine. 
but I want to encourage you, join us in this. And as we continue to evaluate, we may look and see the $10,000 is insufficient, uh, but we will continue to support as God gives us the opportunity. I want to encourage you to join us in that. This is above and beyond our tithe and offering. This is a special giving, uh, drawing from special resources that we have in our missions area. Uh, so I want to encourage you uh, to join us in that and give uh, to help those who are in need. Well, uh, let me tell you about my Jesus. That's a great phrase, a great song, and, and a, a phrase that reminds me of my great-grandmother, Granny Jenkins. Uh, she was uh, raised in the Great Smoky Mountains, uh, in the backwoods of Appalachia. She uh, was married when she was 14-ish. Uh, she uh, came down off the mountain and married uh, my poppy, uh, who uh, worked uh, as a carpenter, but also for the TVA. And uh, they were married, lived in South Knoxville. Uh, after they got married, had three daughters. Uh, one of them was my uh, nanny, my, great, uh, my grandmother, my dad's mom. Uh, But Granny Jenkins was a hillbilly who loved Jesus with all her heart. And she would tell you uh, any chance she got about who Jesus is. Uh, And she would tell you about what Jesus is doing in her life. Uh, Now, she would have to do that between spitting in her uh, can because she dipped Garrett's sweet snuff till the day she died. In fact, she invited me to her porch on different occasions to dip snuff with her. I wasn't man enough for that Garrett Sweet snuff, let me just tell you. Granny Jenkins was passionate about telling me that, and she could worship Jesus now. She, my very first memory of Granny Jenkins in church was when my brother was baptized at uh, Main Street Baptist Church in Williamsburg, Kentucky. And Granny Jenkins came that Sunday night, and I remember to my shock and amazement, it was both shock and amazement, uh, when my brother was baptized, Granny Jenkins stood up in the middle of service, and she got into the middle of the aisle, and that was a middle aisle church, and she, would wa- she walked down that middle aisle, and she clapped her hands, and she would say, Woo! Woo! Praise you, Jesus! And she worshiped hard. And she was unashamed. And she was undignified. And she loved Jesus. I think Edie, one of Edie's first encounters, if I remember it right, it's been over 30 years ago, but I remember one of Edie's first encounters. We were at Granny Jenkins' house and we circled up for a prayer time. And Granny Jenkins started praying. And when Granny Jenkins prayed, she prayed. She prayed hard. Oh, my Jesus has saved me. Oh, look how he saved my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. Woo! My Jesus. I'm sorry. (laughs) I did that. Let me tell you something. Granny Jenkins would tell a stump about Jesus. And she would go wherever she went, and anybody she encountered, she'd say, do you know my Jesus? 
Uh, she would sit when she got older, and she died at 94, 95 years old. When she got older at 90, she couldn't go many places, but she sat on her front porch so that when the male person came by, it was the same male person every day, but when the male person came by, she would ask, do you know my Jesus? Let me tell you about my Jesus. One of her daughters would take her to the grocery store. And as they walked through the lanes of the grocery store, Granny Jenkins would ask the person stocking the shelf, do you know my Jesus? Let me tell you about my Jesus. And talk to the checkout person. She'd say, honey, do you know my Jesus? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Granny Jenkins was uneducated, hillbilly, but she loved Jesus, and she told people about Jesus, and she made God smile. Luke chapter 14, Jesus is encountering a group of people sitting around a table, much like we're sitting here today, a bunch of religious people, people who have a lot of religious intellect, and that's probably a good portion of those of us who gathered here today. And by the way, can I stop and just say, man, it's good to see you all. It's just good to see you. Thank you for joining us in person. It's always good to have people online, but it makes a difference when you're here in person. Thank you for joining with us. And Jesus was having uh, a dinner uh, hosted by a religious leader, and uh, during that encounter, it must have been some good food, good eating, because one of the guys exclaimed, blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Now, he's thinking about heaven. He's thinking about this great banquet that God has prepared for the end of time when we who know God personally, who have experienced him by grace, when we meet with him in his presence in heaven and we get to feast on his presence and celebrate community with God himself, unfettered by human eyes or human tears or, or human sin, we are now in the presence of God. And it's a glorious day, and it's a special day, and it is truly a blessed day. And so this man, whatever was going on in his life, he, he proclaimed a great truth. But that great truth led Jesus to give a great lesson, a lesson that you and I need to hear today, a lesson that speaks to those who are far from God and those who are part of the family of God. So let's look at this passage, Luke chapter 14. And I want you to read along with me beginning in, chapter, in verse 15. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with Jesus heard him, uh, heard these things, he said to Jesus, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. So Jesus said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excuse. By the way, who buys land and, before they see it? At, in that time and frame, they didn't live in the seven cities. Verse 19, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you, have it, now how many, you don't buy a team of oxen without testing them first. Just so you know. 
verse 20, still another said the only legitimate and proper excuse. I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Let me tell you why. Y'all laugh. It's true. This is a newlywed. Why in the world would he want to go to a banquet when he's got a brand new wife? He don't, he don't, I'm sorry, dude, I'm glad the food's going to be good, but I want to be at home with my bride. I'm sorry. Or if he had been married a little bit of time, maybe his wife said, no, you can't go. (laughs) That was legitimate. All right. So then verse, verse, uh, verse 21. So that servant came and reported these things to his master and the master of the house being quickly, uh, 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 being angry said to the servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, master, it is done as you commanded and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. You know, I was talking to a young man this week, and he is a great young man. I mean, he really is. He's impressive. He's, he's hardworking. He hustles. He's got his own business, and, and he is, uh, you know, he's doing everything that he can to, uh, uh, to lift himself up. He, he's just doing all the hard work, and, and uh, so he was, he, he was, I saw him the other day, and I said, how are you doing? And he, he said, well, I'm okay. And, and I knew that that was not an okay, I'm okay. That was i uh, I'm not doing okay, I'm okay. So I said, yeah, come on, what's going on? And he said, man, I'm just tired. And I thought to myself, well, yeah, I'm sure he's tired. He's, he's working and he's working all the time. And I said, and I said as much to him, I said, I know you're, you're tired, you're working, you're working all the time, you're hustling. I, I know it's a busy life and a hard life. I know you're tired. And he said, he said, yeah, he said, I thought, you know, I thought by now I'd be okay. There was something going on deeper inside him than just he's worn out by work. It, he was looking for blessing. Now, God's favor, he's looking for that sense of I am blessed, I am satisfied, I am content. It's, it's that very same thing that we all look for. Every person here, every person who's ever been born is looking, searching for that sense of contentment, satisfaction. I want to be blessed. I want to have a blessed life. I was getting in the elevator the other day, and I'm going up, and a lady was in there, and, and uh, she gets off, and I, as she's getting off the elevator, I said, I, I say, well, have a great day. She said, uh, she said, will you be blessed? And I said, oh, I am blessed. Can I tell you Why? And she turned around, she held her hand in the door, and she said, are you going to tell me about Jesus? I said, if you'll let me. And she said, that's the reason I'm blessed. You know, that really is the answer for my young friend or for this lady in the elevator, for me, for you. The way, the key for that truth that the religious person proclaimed, blessed are those who eat bread in the kingdom of God. The, the, the way we experience that blessing is through Jesus and only through Jesus. I got to tell you, there's no other way to get hold of that blessing other than Jesus. We've been looking at this over the last several weeks. When Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, whoever comes to me shall never 
hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst again. He's, he's not just saying some religious truism. He's telling us what it means to be in relationship with him. When we by faith put our trust in Jesus, then we are brought into the family of God. Our sin is paid for. Jesus takes the penalty of our sin upon himself and he nails it to the cross with his own death. Jesus took the fruit of our sin so that he might give us the delicious life of righteousness that he has lived. And Jesus provides a way for our sin to be forgiven, for us to be rescued from the penalty and the, uh, the, the condemnation and the shame of our sin. Through his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, we can be rescued. We can be made fit for the family of God when we trust in him. And when we trust in Jesus, Jesus takes us by the hand and he leads us to the table where God has prepared the banquet of satisfaction where we can eat. God has prepared a, ba a banquet that blesses us, but the way we get to the banquet is through Jesus. Yes, we can be blessed, and we can be blessed every day, but the only way that's going to happen is through Jesus. There's no other way. There were other people around the table, and they were trying to get blessed by doing good. You know people like that, don't you? And try to get blessed by doing good, and it ended up short. The truth that is proclaimed is that God has prepared a banquet that will bless us, but the only way to get to the banquet is through Jesus. And therefore, an invitation is given. A truth is proclaimed and an invitation is given that Jesus took the opportunity of this great exclamation of joy from this religious guy sitting at the table to teach the people at the table, but teach us today about the heart of God who invites us to the banquet. Beginning in verse 16, he says, a certain man prepared a great banquet and he sent out invitations. Anyway, verse 16 tells us that, that this banquet had been prepared. Invitations had been sent. And so then the master of the house sends his servant, the host sends his servant out to those who had already received the invitations. And he says, the, the meal is ready. Come. Everything's prepared. Come on in. But each person who had already been invited had a reason why they shouldn't come. And get a little bit beyond the metaphor here. There are people in your life and there are people in this room today and God has invited you into his family and you've had reasons why you shouldn't. You, 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 you've, you, you've had reasons, maybe it's I don't want to put the time in or I don't, I don't want to humble myself or I've got this other relationship going and I don't want to give it up or, or whatever it may be and excuses, even good excuses, they have one result. They keep you from the banquet. They keep you from satisfaction. They keep you from fulfillment because they keep you from God. You, you and I have only one hope to be satisfied in this life, and that is, <laughs> that is Jesus. And if you reject him, if you say no to him, then you say no to life itself. 
So the master of the house finds out that, that these folks that had already been invited, and by the way, behind the scene there in the story, that's probably the religious leaders he's talking about, the religious leaders who knew that the Messiah was coming, and yet when the Messiah is sitting at the table with them, they reject him. Okay? So the master of the house, he gets upset and he says, okay, oh, well, let's go and let's get the poor and the maim and the lame and the blind. You invite them. And the servant goes and he invites them and he says, okay, master, it's, it, they're here, but there's still room. So the master goes one more. He says, okay, you go out into the highways and the hedges, the byways, the back alleys, any person that you see, you bring them in. Compel them to come because my house must be full. The invitation is given. It's an invitation to come into the presence of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's an invitation to come, and it's given and extended to uh, uh, far and wide. I would go so far as to say everyone's invited, but not everyone is getting to enjoy the feast on this side of heaven or even for eternity. So if the, if, if, if the original guests were the, the, the religious leaders, then who are the poor and the maim and the lame? Well, that's probably just the, the Jewish people. Uh, they're not religious leaders. They're just Jewish leaders, nominal in their pursuit of of the Jew, Jewish way of life. And then the highways and hedges people, the back alley people, well, that's Gentiles. That's me. Can, can I tell Jesus sent me an invitation down a back alley where my sin had corrupted my soul. And Jesus sent me an invitation to feast on the bread in the kingdom of God. Jesus sent me an invitation for my sin to be forgiven. Through faith in him, repenting my sin, I trusted Jesus because, man, I wanted the hole in my soul to go away. Man, I needed a fulfillment and satisfaction in life. I was desperate to escape the condemnation of my sin. And I met Jesus because somebody invited me to meet the only one who could save me and satisfy me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Now, you're in the room today and you've experienced what I've experienced. You've met Jesus. You know him. He's changed your life. You have been transformed by his grace. So you are headed for heaven, but you also have a taste of heaven this side of heaven, right? You, you have a taste of heaven because you're walking with Jesus. And, and every step we take with Jesus, every step we take in submission to him, every step we take honoring him and living for him is a, is a step toward greater satisfaction in everyday life. Yes. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Man, we sing about it, but do you believe it? Is is it something that has taken hold of your soul, not just to save you from hell, but to actually dominate the way you think about your life and how you live and your relationships and your work? Jesus has already 
saved me. And there's nothing about me that deserves it. All because he invited me and I said yes. See, you can't get to the banquet unless you're invited. That's what God's grace is. God's grace is an invitation for you to come. It's it's an invitation for you to experience the change um, that, that can happen through faith in Christ. See, we know, we know that the invitation is literally the gospel. That invitation that, that, that Jesus, who is the master, sent the servants to deliver is literally the gospel. That in God's design, we were created, humanity was created to live in perfect harmony with God, fully satisfied in relationship with him, by relationship with him. But sin entered the picture of eternity and centered Sin entered the landscape of my own life, and that sin had separated me from God and broke me to pieces, shattered me. And I couldn't put myself together again, and friends, neither can can you. Sin is not a minor malady. Sin is an eternal cancer that has already killed you. And there's no hope beyond sin except for a Savior. And God sent Jesus to take what is broken in us and make us whole. Jesus, who died on a cross to take the penalty and the punishment of sin, was raised from the dead to bring victory and new life to those who put their trust in him. God's design can be restored in you and me where we can live fully satisfied, fully human lives in relationship with God as we were originally intended. But that can only happen through faith in Jesus. That means where you abandon yourself in the arms of Jesus, where you abandon your life, your decisions, your your ambitions. Everything that you are belongs to Jesus. He is your king. He is your rescuer, but he is your king. And in that transaction of grace, where where you put your faith in Jesus, God covers you with his grace. He brings you into his family because of Jesus. And you're made whole. You move from an empty life to a satisfied soul because you said yes to the invitation. Some of you are here today and you've never said yes to that invitation. I invite you to. Today, I invite you to. I invite you to repent your sin and believe on Jesus. There's no other help for you. Can can I be honest? There's no other help for you. hardest things I've ever said in my life, some of the hardest things that have ever been said to me, is that my life is corrupt and chaotic and will end in disaster unless I say yes to Jesus, unless I submit to him, unless I repent my sin and believe on him and follow him. The whole point of this series of messages is that we would be holy, uh, healthy and holy. It all begins in a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I beg you, please choose Christ today. But there's another point in this parable that I want to tell you about. See, it's not just about those who are far from God, but it's also a message to the family of God. 
that you and me, if you're part of this family, if you have by faith trusted Jesus, your life has been transformed by God's grace. Here's the message for us. See, when you look at this passage, you see that the master is Jesus. Who's the servant? Well, that's us. That's you. That's me as a follower of you. We're the servant. So what are we to do? Well, our mission, our mission is to deliver God's invitation to those who are far from him. That, that's our mission. You see the story, right? The story is, okay, so Jesus is talking. He's saying, hey, listen, there's a, a feast, a banquet's prepared. So he sent his servant out. And he said, go deliver the invitation. And then when it was rejected, he said, again, sent the servant out. Go deliver the invitation. And again, a third time, sent the servant out to deliver the invitation. The invitation is the gospel. Let's tell somebody about Jesus. Let's invite them to meet Jesus. Let's help them come meet and worship Jesus every week when we gather together as a church. Listen, friends, it is not a secondary thing that we must do, but it is the primary thing that the church is given to do. And that is to deliver God's invitation to those who are far from him that they might find life. Do you care about people that you know? If you care about them, you got to tell them. You got to tell them. The only way they're going to be satisfied in life is through faith in Jesus. If they don't have Jesus, then they don't have life and they never will. We got to tell them. We got to tell them. In this passage, just four things I want you to see. If you're a follower of Jesus, part of this church, here are four applications. You've got to move from the house to the streets. See, we gather together in the house, and it's great, and it is awesome. I love it, I love it, I love it. I get so fired up being here, and I, I'm so encouraged. But, but, but we're called to move from the house to go into the streets, to go out into the streets where people who are far from God are and tell them there is hope for you. And it's not in your academics or your education or your finances. It, it's not in an upturn in an economy or a downturn of inflation. No, listen, the hope, the only hope that will satisfy your soul is Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. We need to move from the house to the streets. We need to move. We need to move from feasting. To inviting. I, I know, look, I, 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 we get here and we feast, and we should. We get here and we gather around the table of the Lord and around the Word of God and we, we celebrate Him and we rejoice in Him and we are satisfied in Him. We sing about Him and it's a, an exciting time where we feast together on the presence of the Lord and it's awesome. But if all we do as family members, if all we do is feast, then we're going to end up fat. And it's time for us to see that there is another side of that equation. We need to move from feasting to inviting. We need to tell people, there's a satisfaction that I have in my soul. There's a reason I can sing when everything else is terribly wrong. Let me tell you about my Jesus how he's changed my life, how he's made the old brand new, that which is broken, he's made it whole. Let me tell you about my Jesus. We must move from feasting, and, and feasting is good. Get together again. Thank you for being here. We're feasting together. It's awesome. But we must move from feasting to inviting. At the same time, we've got to move from complacency to urgency. 
In this passage, verse 21, the, the master, Jesus says to the servant, us, he says, go now, immediately. There's no moment to waste. There needs to be an urgency in our soul for those who are far from God that they might see eternity and, and, and enter eternity without a relationship with God. That means they enter eternity eternally dissatisfied and in despair. We must, we must have an urgency, the same kind of urgency that we would have if we walked out, uh, uh, down the street and saw a burning building and we would run into that building crying out, fire, fire, come this way to be rescued. We need urgency, no longer complacent, no longer being content with the way things are. We see our loved ones, our friends, our family, our coworkers who are far from God. We just have to tell them. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Verse 23, the master, Jesus, says to the servant, us, he says, compel them to come in. The term compel is not take a big stick and beat them until they get in line. Uh, The term compel means take them by the hand and say, I know you're scared. I know you don't understand. Hold my hand. I'll be with you the whole way. Let's go. Good gracious, when did we lose that as a church? That sense of urgency where we're compelling people. Please, please let me tell you about my Jesus. Move from the house to the streets, from feasting to inviting, from complacency to urgency so that we might move from empty seats to a full house. He's not talking about this room. He's talking about heaven itself. God longs for heaven to be filled. Do you get that? And Jesus came to die so that sinners like you and me might fill the halls of heaven. Not because we deserve it, not because we're religious or respectable, but because we're rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus. Oh, my goodness. In verse 23, the master, Jesus said, you, you go out and you compel him because my house must be filled. Please, please hear that call. You see, the goal of God is for him to be glorified by a full heaven. Occupied by sinners turned saints through faith in Jesus Christ. And God's plan, his only plan, his plan A, there's no plan B, to accomplish that mission is the church, you and me. Walking up to somebody we meet, post office person, checkout clerk, co-worker, golf buddy, poker player person, mess up your poker game, you start talking about Jesus. The church, this is what God's given us to do. Let's not allow anything to keep us from doing the main thing. 
that Jesus has given us to do. So I want to close like this. There are some in the room, and you're here today, and you, you do not know Jesus. You've never said yes to God's invitation for you to come to his table, to embrace him, to enter into his family through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're religious. There are a lot of religious people around the table, and they weren't going to get to heaven. And maybe you're respectable. There are a lot of people who did a lot of good stuff, but they weren't going to get to heaven. There's only one way for you to have your sin forgiven and enter into eternity in relationship with God through faith, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're online or in this room, I beg you, please come to Christ today. Come to Christ by faith, repenting your sin and believing the gospel, the good news that what Jesus has accomplished, he accomplished on your behalf. to rescue you from sin, and to bring you into God's family. I beg you. And maybe you don't understand everything, or maybe you have questions, and you're, you're like, I, I, man, I just don't know about all this. Uh, we want to compel you in the sense we want to take you by the hand and help you. If you're in this room and you, de- and, and you desire to choose Christ today, to say yes to God's invitation to life, if that's who you are, then in a moment we're going to stand and sing, and I'm going to invite you to come here. There are going to be ministers here at the front. Invite you to come and just say, I need to choose Jesus today. If that's not your speed and not your vibe, I get that. You can, at the end of the service, go into the grand lobby and talk to one of the people at the next step stage and say, I just need to choose Jesus. If that's still not your vibe, take one of those blue cards and write down, I need to choose Jesus. Write your name and a contact information, and you put it in the offering box as you leave. If that's still not your vibe, and if you're online, here's what you can do. Text Jesus to the number on the screen, or email pastor at firstnorfolk.org, and we will help you. We will walk with you every step of the way until you meet Jesus. The invitation is for you. Will you say yes? Second part, you're part of God's family. You're part of the family of faith, but you have been absolutely um, convicted by this message because you've been feasting, but you haven't been inviting. You're complacent, not urgent. The only time you speak of Jesus is in the gathering and never in the street. It's time. It's time. We live in serious times and it requires serious people for a serious cause and there's nothing greater than the cause of Jesus Christ. It's time. No more sideline saints, no more marginal commitment, but now's the time. And it means that we all commit to tell our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. Let me tell you about Jesus. Maybe there's somebody God's placed upon your heart. You can come to this altar and pray over that person. But my, my challenge to all of us is to get involved. At the very least, at the very least, invite them to church. Invite them to gather with you. Invite them to church because I can promise you this. You invite them to church and every single week, Every single week, we will tell them about Jesus. The gospel will be presented. 
Jesus Christ will be exalted. And they will have an opportunity to enter God's family. At the very least, invite them here. It could be the difference between an eternity in heaven or an eternity in hell. Let's go, church. Right now is the time. And today is the day. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord God, you're the king of glory. We worship and adore you, and we know that you have given us life through faith in Jesus Christ. We also know that there are people who have gathered with us today online or in in person, people who have yet to say yes to your invitation to life through faith in Christ. And so today I pray, oh God, by your spirit that you would open their eyes and open their heart to see their need for Jesus and give them the faith that they need right now to say yes to your offer of grace and forgiveness and love. I pray that you would draw them to yourself in a way that words alone cannot accomplish it. pray that you would draw them to yourself and uh, give them courage to respond in the right way in this moment, helping them to say yes to the invitation. Father, I pray for the family of faith gathered here. I pray that we would see the mission you've given us to fulfill, and that we would not rest until we fulfill it. That tomorrow morning when we wake up, we pray, oh God, put me in the path of someone, someone in the elevator or someone in the front yard or someone I play golf with or someone that I go shopping with. Uh, Help for me to see that person that you put in my path. Help for me to tell them about Jesus because I want their life to be changed and made whole. Oh God, this is your moment and I pray that you would spark something in the hearts of your people. An urgency and a passion to bring you pleasure, to make you smile. And now be glorified in this time of response and lead us to obedience in this place at this time. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.